0: Glad to be here today, huh? You guys, glad to be here this morning? Fantastic! Hey, I'm going to ask that you remain standing for just a second, and I want to read a portion of God's scripture that won't come up on the screens because they didn't have it in the program. And y'all can keep playing, okay? Um, But I just want to read an excerpt out of First Corinthians, a letter wrote to the church in Corinth, and. I want to read this because it has a lot to do with today's message and I was just standing down there thinking about this passage and I think it may speak to somebody's heart up here today. The writer here says this, he says, the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted. He says, and I will share it with you because of the present crisis. He says, I think it is best to remain as you are. If you have a wife. You have a wife do not seek to end the marriage if you do not have a wife do not seek to get married but if you do get married it is not a sin slap your neighbor and say it ain't a sin to get married all right and if a young woman gets married it is not a sin however those who get married at this time will have troubles you catch that? Kim, that's why you got trouble. Okay. Says, and I am trying to spare you of those problems. He says, but let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. So for now on, those with the wise should focus, should not focus only on their marriage, should not focus only on their marriage. Those who weep, Or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping, their joy, or their possessions. Those who use the things of this world should not become attached to them. Slap your neighbor and say, detach yourself, detach yourself. For this world as we know it will soon pass away. He says, I want you to be free from the concerns of life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. Come on, how many of you know a wife is hard to please sometimes? And then it goes on to say his interests are divided. And it says the same is true for a woman. And really what it's saying here is be careful of what you attach yourself to. The possessions of this world, people, stuff, things. Because those things have the ability to divide your heart from the true work that God has called you uh, to do. And so, man, I want you to receive that today. Believe that today. Nothing wrong with marriage. Nothing wrong with relationships. Nothing wrong with having stuff. But let's not let our heart be attached to the things of this world. But let's focus on the things that are still yet to come. Turn around, give three high fives, shake some hands, tell somebody to detach themselves, detach themselves, detach themselves. Thank you, worship team. Hey, let's give God a a round of applause today. You know, uh, lots of times, uh, you know, I have had the opportunity over the last 15, 18 years uh, that we have been doing uh, this ministry called Barefoot Church or whatever it's been here. Oh, it's 13 years, I guess. 2005. Do the math. I don't know. 2018 now. But I've had the opportunity to learn a lot on life's journey. And I've had the opportunity to go to a lot of big, huge church conferences, meet all kinds of pastors and everything else. But one thing they used to say early on in my ministry was, you know, I I would hear pastors stand up and say this and say, no, I'm going to I'm not you don't need to sacrifice uh, your your marriage on the altar of ministry. And you know what? I just don't believe that's true. I don't believe that you have to sacrifice your marriage on the altar of ministry, but I do believe that God has called you to do what you do and be who he has created you to be. And if, if your marriage, what he warns us about in that passage I just read, is marriage can distract you from what God has you to do in this world. And so never, ever forget that. And literally, that doesn't mean that, you know what, I put my kids on an altar I put my wife on an altar. I put my finances on an altar. I put my stuff on an altar. But what that does mean is if those things become the Lord of my life, then, you know, maybe God's going to call me to see what my heart is really attached to. And so I want you to grab hold of that today. Because so many in 2018 are attaching themselves to the gifts from God. Instead of the God of the gifts. And receive that today as a warning. Because really, if we're not careful, we can forget the main thing and keep it the main thing. And the blessings of God sometimes have the ability to trap us from godly wisdom and being who God has created us to be. Again, let me be crystal clear. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. I like stuff too, but may the stuff not have me. And that's what happens in life, isn't it? We begin to to let our kids have us. How many of you know there's some people in here or some people in the world today that their kids are the CEO of everything? Or their wife is the CEO or their husband is the CEO or their finances are the CEO. Even in ministry as a pastor, can I tell you, just building a ministry can be the CEO of my heart and my life. And what the writer writes to church at Corinth is don't let any of that stuff get in the way of what God wants to do in your life and through your life. And I'm inviting us to see that today because that's where wisdom is exercised. That doesn't mean, did you catch what he said? That doesn't mean that, you know, if you are married, that you need to cash your wife in. (laughs) That means, you know what, you need to figure out a way to do what God's called you to do with the wife you already have. And, and, and you know, so I want to be clear on what I'm saying today. He's saying, listen, this world is full of distractions. And this world, this earth has the ability to grab your focus, suck you in and make you miss what life is all about. And my friend, life is eternal and we serve an eternal God and he is the blesser of all good gifts. He's the giver of children. He's the giver of marriage. He is the giver of the finances. He is the giver of all these good things we experience in life. But may we have wisdom and understand the good things are temporal and they are not eternal. And may it never detach our heart from an eternal God who has an eternal plan for our life. That's wisdom. And where does wisdom come from? The Bible says wisdom comes from the Lord. And so I want to talk to us today about, about wisdom, walking with wisdom in this life that has so many distractions. You know, most people think of, of sin as, as bad things that people do or things that people do that don't, that they don't do. And we call that sin. But sin literally means missing a target, missing the bullseye of God's glorious standard for our life. And what this writer is saying, if you're not careful, there's some good things in life that will cause you to miss the target. Cause you to miss the target that God has for your life, the standard he has for your life. It'll suck you in and you're going to miss so much about the eternal dividends that God has placed in you and for you to build with your life here on earth. How many of you know life is a journey? And so many of us are looking for a destination. And what I'm learning today is it's not about getting somewhere. It's about being somebody where God has placed me to be and trusting the God that's the God of my life. And so it's about a relationship. It's about building my faith. And many, many times I find my own faith so weak. I begin to put my faith in what I do instead of who God is. I begin to put my faith in what what my life is producing instead of what God is producing in me and through me. And I want to speak into that today because I think when we walk with wisdom, we have the ability to, to keep our focus. And I think there's a way to walk with wisdom. So we're going to look at the wisdom book, Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2, about six verses here. And I'm going to... Read six verses and I'm going to say some words and as I say those words, as we read these six verses, I'd love for you to, when I ask you to, to repeat the word. There's five or six of them here. He writes this. He says, My son, if you accept, everybody say accept. accept. The writer says, If you accept my words and store up, everybody say store up. Store up, store up my commands within in you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying. Everybody say applying. Applying your heart to understand. He says, Indeed, if you call out, everybody say, call out, call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. And if you look for, everybody say, look. look. And if you look for it as for silver and you search, everybody say, search. search. For it as for a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So the Bible says God is the one that gives us knowledge of who he is, and he gives us understanding of who he is. And when we understand and we have knowledge of who God is, then that's wise because it allows us to produce what we're to produce with our life and begin to understand that life is eternal and life is a journey. So we have to search for this over and over. We've got to seek it with all of our heart. We can't let distractions take it away from us. And and so I want to talk to us about walking with God's amazing wisdom over the next few minutes. So here's a good definition for wisdom. It's... It's knowledge, but it's also knowledge that comes under authority. It's knowledge that understands who God is and comes under God's authority instead of under the pressures that we experience in life. That's a good definition of wisdom. In other words, are you going to come under what God says and His word And accept what his word says no matter what the circumstances in life. No matter what you face in life. No matter what comes at you in life. In other words, accept who God is. Store up his commands in our heart. Apply them over and over. And then you'll gain knowledge of who your creator is. And when you come under and you understand who he is over the circumstances, then you have this incredible thing called wisdom. And then God will begin to produce things out of your life no matter what circumstance you land in. Wisdom is important. And there is godly wisdom and there is earthly wisdom. And those are two different things. There's a lot of people in here that have wisdom in doing business. Wisdom in doing life. Wisdom in doing relationships. But can I tell you a wisdom that trumps all of that wisdom. Is a wisdom that comes from God. Because it will allow you to step in any of those arenas. And then put God as the authority over your life. And then, you know what? You will have wisdom beyond the earthly wisdom. You will have wisdom that comes from above. And that wisdom that comes from above allows you to, to navigate yourself through the experiences of life. So here's the question for us all. What defines your life? Who is the authority of your life? Are you operating in wisdom? Is your wife the authority of your wife, is, or your life? Is your husband the authority of your, your life? And I know the scriptures speak of, you know what, relationships and bosses and kings and husbands and wives and all of those kind of things and having some structure and some order. But at the end of the day, who is the ultimate authority of your life? Who drives your life? Do you have an eternal plan for your life? Do you have an eternal purpose for your life? Because wisdom begins to gain this knowledge that I am here for a purpose. And I'm an eternal being. And will I submit myself to the authority of God and live that out each and every day? So let's look at how to gain more wisdom from this proverb. Look what he says there in verse 1. He says, my son, if you accept my words. In other words, if you believe what I say. If you believe what he says. He says. If you believe that that God is in charge, and the only way to really believe what God has said is to look at his eternal word that is written down. And I invite you to read his eternal word from front cover to back cover and digest what the story of God's word, the Bible, is all about. Because, you see, if that is the eternal word of God, and it was written by earthly writers throughout generations and down through times, and that has been been put in a, a book that we call "The Word of God." It says there that if you accept my words and you store up my commands within you, then you know what you're going to begin to gain wisdom. So here's the question, do you believe the Word of God? And you say, "Well, yeah, I believe the Word of God. Well, believing the Word of God is, is, is simply putting yourself under the authority of the word of God. In other words, is the word of God the authority in your life or your circumstance the authority of your life? In other words, yeah, God's grace is sufficient in all things. However, God's word also says that we should stop doing some things and start doing other things or start doing other things and stop doing some things. And and the question is, when I read that, Do do I excuse myself because of of what I feel? And and see, that's where a lot of people are today. The word doesn't have authority over their life. Their feelings have authority over their life. And and, and if I believe the word of God, you know what? I, I don't give a crap how I feel. At the end of the day, I know when I step out of the line of God, because you know what? The Word is, is what's the authority of my life. And there is a conviction inside of my spirit. Because I am outside the lines of God's boundaries. And I am, I am missing what He wants to do in my life. And He is such a good, good God. He has given me the authority of His Word. And shows me as a human that I'm outside the bounds. And I think that's fantastic news. Because you know what? I know where the boundary line is. I know how to stay in side, the sidelines and score touchdowns with my life. And it's pretty simple when 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 he throws a flag on me and tells me I stepped out of bounds, then, then here's the deal. I know, and I can argue with the referee all I want to, but I can tell you right now, the snapshot of my heart shows me that I stepped out of bounds. That's conviction. And so many of us are. Well, I, well, I. Well, you know, I didn't really step out of bounds. It was just, I was on the line, referee. Yeah. But if you stepped out of bounds, you stepped out of bounds. And the question is, will you let God get you back in bounds? And he's a good, good God, and he will get you back in bounds. His grace is sufficient in all circumstances. But if I believe the word of God, i gotta, I got to begin to to try to understand it come under its authority have knowledge of who god is and walk in the ways of wisdom and god is the authority of your life then the bible becomes the authority of your life the word of god and 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 the question is except i know some people are still seeking the meaning of life and all those kind of things but at the end of the day i'm gonna trust that god has a plan for my life that God is eternal, that God is who He says He is, that God is the same God who has delivered on His promises in the past that will deliver on His promises in the future. I trust that with my heart. And so I have begun to read through the Word of God, and I understand that some people in the Bible have had some horrific circumstances. But they, hang, they hung on with their faith in who God was in spite of the circumstances. And can I tell you something today? The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And life is about development of our faith. And how does our faith build strength? It builds strength from circumstances and challenges and pressure. And the question is, is the pressure going to become your Lord or is God going to become your Lord? And pressure isn't always negative. Much of the pressure is, is what we consider positive. That's what I was reading to you in First Corinthians chapter 7. Marriage is positive. But it's pressure. Because you see, you can get attached to the marriage. And that become the king of your heart. Instead of the God of the universe and miss so much about life. And so let that come to us today to really, really discover what is the king of my life. And as I'm going through life and journeying through life, it's not really about a destination. It's about learning who God is and really what is the king of my heart. And I can tell you right now, as I begin to look at some of the things that are the king of my heart, sometimes my faith is so weak. But I got a mustard seed of it. And I keep believing and I keep trusting and I keep accepting. And because of that, God keeps doing amazing things. In other words, it's about your faith enduring the test of time. It's about your faith being captured in such a way that it strengthens and it presses through good circumstances, bad circumstances, and it clings to the Creator. The enemy of your soul will lure you in with the good things of life. What do you think he did with Adam and Eve? he lured them in with the good things that God had created and says, you know what, come and listen to my voice and not the voice of the creator. And they missed the mark of God's glorious standard. And the Bible says that, that that nature, the missing nature has entered humanity. And so our bentness, the way we're bent, the way we lean is to listen to everything else but the voice of God and the circumstances. But God can heal that. And God can do something amazing. The question is, if I want to gain wisdom, do I believe it? Second thing is this, don't only believe it, learn it. Look what he says. My son, if you accept my words in the last part of verse 1, he says, store up my commands within you. In other words, he says, learn it. I think it's James that says, don't just be a hearer of the word. Don't just attend a Sunday morning worship experience. Don't just listen to the word being preached on the internet. But be a doer of the word. In other words, it's great that you listen to Caleb. And it's great that you listen to every preacher in America because of this worldwide thing called the Internet. And it's great that you come to a Sunday morning experience. But being who God has created you to be isn't, isn't really about, about just hearing more of the Word. It's about applying it to my life and beginning to, to learn the Word and do the Word. Which leads me to my third point, which is Proverbs two two. He says, "Turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, coming under the authority of God and applying your heart." So, so wisdom is gained from believing God's word, from learning His word, and how I learn His word is for Him to put me under pressure, so I can find out what the King of my heart is, and my faith can grow. And then it's applying the word in the situations and circumstances. And again, we have reduced church down in this culture in 2018 to something I attend on the weekend and I get all hyped up. But hype is overrated. Because here's the deal. Hype can't transform your heart. But applying the word can. So what happens is God puts you in circumstances like this to get knowledge, to get understanding. But then he sends you to Monday school. (laughs) That's what I call it. Some people like to go to Sunday school and I think that's awesome. It's where a lot of times you can get knowledge. This is Sunday school. But let me tell you where it's going to get applied. In Monday school. In Tuesday school. And Wednesday school. And that is going to be a revelation to you. What your heart is really connected to. How much of a failure I am in Monday school. God tests my faith with circumstances and challenges every day. And I am as hard headed as a billy goat button his head up against a wire fence. And I believe it. But I keep doing the same stupid thing. And the question is, is how is that going to get out of me? Well, God's going to put me in the same circumstances over and over and over again until I apply the wisdom from His Word to get out of the circumstance. That only happens in Monday school. And some of us are so holy on Sunday... But we look like we come from hell on Monday. (laughs) And wisdom comes from God by believing his word, learning what the word says and applying it to my life on Monday. Again, I think it's James that says, don't just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. He says, if you don't do what the word says, it's like looking at your face in the mirror and you know what? You you got spinach in every other crack of your teeth and you do nothing about it and you just walk around and smiling like you just brushed your teeth with close up. (laughs) He says, that's crazy. He says, honestly, if you look in the word of God and you don't apply, that's what it's like. And and, and so I'm inviting us to, to gain godly wisdom. Believe it. Learn it. Apply it. And then he says this. He says in verse verse 3, he says, If you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, then you'll gain wisdom. So literally, this means if I call out for insight and I cry aloud for understanding, I, Man, God, I need your help. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. That means to talk to God about it. Pray again in 2018 we've made this prayer all this religious talk that it's not really talking to my father and crying out to my father and saying i'm in this freaking circumstance and i don't understand but i want to understand and my father grabbing me by the shirt collar and saying well i've told you what to do why don't you do it And occasionally him spanking my butt because I'm unwilling to do it. That's called the Lord disciplines those he loves. But again, we've made this prayer like God's somewhere far off. My friend, God is inside the human heart. And the Bible calls us his temple, us, we together, his temple. And this is my prayer, that God disciplines me, but he disciplines you too. Because I want him to wear your fanny out <laughs> when you are out of line and I'm out of line so we can come together and be this unit called the church, which is God's plan A for the world, not plan B. And unify our hearts and begin on with God's business in this world. See, see that's what God's really looking for is the Unity we are one as Jesus and the Father were one. And now they will know that we are their disciples by our love for one another. Our connectivity and doing what God has designed us to do in spite of the circumstances. And so the question is this. See, see we, we've begun to make God's word more about, about us being the central character of the Bible. Instead of what the Bible is really all about. And can I tell you what the Bible is all about? It's about God being the central character. And you and I get to play a special part, an amazing part, one that God loves individually and corporately. But make no mistake about it, the miracle that God is going to do in this earth is not going to be through something else other than the local church. It is his plan. The Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. And what is he coming back for? A spotless bride without blemish. That doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect and you ain't going to never have any skid marks on your knees. But what that does mean is that you get in, in concert with godly wisdom. You accept God's word. You learn God's word. You apply God's word. You talk to God about what your part is and you get on board and you move forward in spite of the circumstances. So God is coming back for a church that gets it. A people that gets it. And you know what? I can't wait till he gets back. That's why I'm preaching words like this. Is because it's time that the church rises up and every forgiven part begins to understand what their part is and live it out daily. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Working together for a common cause which is to bring up there, come on somebody, down here. We pray this prayer, talking to God. The disciples said, Jesus, how should we pray? Jesus says, you pray like this. Some of you quote this prayer, but you don't get the prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Set apart is your name. Thy kingdom come here on earth. As it is in heaven, slap your neighbor and said, I'm gonna bring up there down here. May the kingdom on earth be as it is in heaven. How's that gonna happen? How's that gonna happen? When you submit yourself to the authority of God and you become the very part that God has created you to be, there is no plan B. When you want to see the return of Christ, then that means you do your part for every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And you watch what God's going to do. You got a part. I got a part. We got to step into it. We got to learn godly wisdom, and we got to live our part out in this world. You want to know what you're created for? It's not just to be a better person. It's to be a part of the local church. If you have been called out by the God of the universe. Out of darkness into the wonderful light. Do you understand his eternal plan? And it is to shine God through the different parts, they call it the body, call it all kind of things in the scripture, so the rest of the world can know who God is. Jesus came to die with a church. And you're like, I don't go to church because I don't like some of them people. <laughs> well, stop going to Walmart. Because there's people that are crazy in Walmart too. And I don't like some of the people in Walmart. But the good news is, is we're here to spread the good news of who Christ is, a risen Savior. You know what? Whether you like the person or don't like the person, the key is for you to gain godly wisdom, connect to the local church and use your gift and spread the good news of Christ around this world. That's God's eternal plan. God knew you before you were ever born is what the scripture says. He had a plan for your life. He had a plan for her life. His life. And that plan was to understand forgiveness in who Christ Jesus is, his death, burial, and resurrection, the very power of God, and then let that power come live in you, and you join yourself up with other people, and then begin to spread the good news of Christ collectively together. It's not a one-person plan. It's our plan, and it's God's plan. And he's the hero of the story. And, and, you know, I find that fascinating because God wants to use you and he wants to use me. But some of us, you know what, we just kind of sit and we wait and we're like, you know, I just want to know what my purpose is. I just told you your purpose. I I didn't tell you your function. How do you find your function? You get involved. You do something. You start. But my friend, if you isolate yourself... With your gifts from God's purpose, you are out of line. And may the enemy not destroy your very soul. Isolation will lead to devastation. And the good God of the universe has deposited good gifts in you. And you want to get sharpened up a little bit? Rub up against some other people. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another, is what the scripture says. Where do you apply who God says you are? It's in the local church. It's being a part of the local church. It's, it's, it's beginning to understand and talk to God. Listen to what it says, Proverbs 2, verse 4. It says, if you look for this wisdom as you look for silver and you search for it as a hidden treasure... then then you're going to begin to understand and you're going to find the knowledge of God. And so I wonder how many of us are really looking for this wisdom that comes from God like it's a hidden treasure somewhere. It's more precious. The wisdom that comes from the Lord is more precious than diamonds and gold and silver Jesus even told a story about it. He said, it is so awesome. He says, a man sold everything he had because he was told it was buried in a field. And you know what? He went and bought this field with all that he had because he wanted to dig up this incredible, incredible wisdom that comes from God. And are you searching for God's wisdom and God's heart and understanding and the knowledge of who God is like your life depends on it? Are you searching for the next fix? The next boy, the next girl, the next greenback. If you're watching across the world, that's our dollar bills. Because the Bible says search for the wisdom that comes from the lord in such a way as you would search for all these other things and watch and see if you don't get a download and who god is but i think where some of us are in this journey in 2018 is the enemy is singing us a lullaby rock sweet sweetheart It's all about a destination and what you're experiencing today. Nothing wrong with what you're experiencing today, but you need to set your mind on eternal things and things above and get godly wisdom and watch what God can do. Because, see, that is wisdom on top of wisdom. That is wisdom over earthly wisdom. And earthly wisdom will teach you, you know at some great skills. But godly wisdom will transform your heart and begin to change the course and the direction of your life. Godly wisdom will deposit a fight in you like no other fight. In other words, you know what God's plan is, you know what God's purpose is, and there is nothing good or bad that will take you out of that purpose. And you connect yourself to the local church. See, being a part of the church isn't something you attend, it's who you are. And the question for us all is: is God giving us wisdom in who we are, and are we participating? Again, we clean floors, we sweep buildings, we cut, do parking lots, we do all kinds of stuff as a church. But it's all of that activity that makes a space for us to be apart and follow Christ together. I was thinking about that this week. We had over at our conference, and it's the crisis. Ha! We had a crisis in our community, and and amazing thing about the crisis. Is it brought God's people out of the woodworks and some people that ain't God's people to put them together so that they can begin to understand who God is and be developed in the process and begin to have their faith developed. And so I find it fascinating. This week alone, we had over a hundred people serving at our conference center. This week! Some of them were going out to the community, doing stuff. Some of them were cooking people food. Some of them were sweeping floors. So, and again, it wasn't about doing the activity. It was about what was happening in the activity. See, that's where you're developed, my friend. Is by doing something that is centralized around God and his message. And then letting God do a work in you in the process. It's called following Jesus. If you study the life of Jesus, it is amazing. Because as I go through the scriptures, Jesus called people to follow him. But he called people to put things behind them that were mastering their life so that he could master their life. And then it could change their life. They may go back to what they were doing. However, he didn't want that to trump their life. He wanted him to be the Lord of their life and the authority over their life. And many of them went back to their occupation after he became the Lord of their life. But Jesus went by a group of fishermen one day and he says, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. These men were making a living. They were piling up their bank account with catching fish. I'm talking about these guys were catching lobster and shrimp and everything else. And I'm talking about like putting it in the boat, taking it to the bank. And Jesus is like, put that down for a minute and come follow me. Think about how radical that is. And the Bible says they did. They went back to doing their occupation. Wasn't nothing wrong with their occupation, but their occupation had them, and God didn't have them. Tax collector one time. Jesus was a master saying, come follow me. Follow me. God worked for the IRS. Matthew. He says, come follow me. Come on. Put that down. Come follow me, and I'm going I'm to teach you what life is all about. Does that mean we don't need tax collectors? Does that mean you need to walk away from your job selling real estate, making $327,000 a year? No, that's not what it means at all. Unless the $327,000 a year has your heart and God doesn't have your heart. And then God may say, put the stuff down so you can follow me and understand what the stuff is for. See, See, again, lots of times God will call us out of something to call us into something. To put something down, to put us under his authority, then he'll allow us to pick that something else up that was over our heart when he becomes the king of our heart and begin to transform the world. And and, and so I I find it fascinating what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus didn't say, hey, you know, go into all the world and, and, and make a bunch of converts that raise their hand on Sunday morning. And though we will ask you to raise your hand and submit your life to Christ, and it's a symbolic way to say, Hey, I surrender to Jesus today. Jesus is going to all the world and make disciples, make followers. And and, and I find that incredible because that's what the church needs to be about is making followers. You don't make followers without creating Monday school. You, You can make you can begin to give people knowledge but it's the Monday school and the activity and the community crises and them coming together that really begins to develop people into who God has created them to be. And Jesus was always calling people to follow him. Why would he call them to follow him and not just listen to him? Because in that particular day, there were two models of teaching. One was a Greek model and one was a Hebrew model. And and though Jesus was operating in a Greek culture, he used the the Hebrew model for teaching. And I think they've got the model. I think, you guys got it on the screens there? No? Well, too bad. But let me just put it in short. The, the, The Greek model is more like a classroom model. The Hebrew model is more like a coaching model. In other words, Jesus would say, come follow me, not sit down and just listen to me. And it was OJT. It was on the job training. And that was the Hebrew model. It was to take a band of people with you and begin to demonstrate something and begin to hope that they pick it up and put it down in the process. And really, I think that that is... Is more the model that God is looking for in our life. Is for us not to just you know sit in a classroom and memorize the Bible in sixty six books, but to apply it to our life and get into everyday life, and and begin to sharpen one another up and model it, and and begin to live it out each and every day. And and, and so the Hebrew model was more about transformation instead of information. In our our world. It's more focused on information. Why do you think we live in a digital age? I guarantee you can hear a lot better information than I'm giving through this microphone, but you have chosen to be here, and that's pretty awesome. But the information I'm giving, all you got to do is Google it. But you can't Google experience and wisdom. That's the place to apply. You can hear a whole lot better preachers than I am preaching right now. The world is full of great preachers. It's full of them. All you got to do is get on the internet. Wow, that's a good word. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. That was a, that was a good word. But where is it going to transform your life? Tomorrow morning. In Monday school. Because the good word ain't good. Unless you accept it in your heart. And the only way to accept it in your heart. Is to be put through. The circumstances of life. And for it. To test your faith and put pressure on your faith. So you know that your faith is secure. And your faith is real. God is a God. Of developing your faith more than he is your feelings. And so the place to apply the word is following Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, can, can I tell you, even in, in his humanity, his, he, he was under stress. It was in the sweat that he called out to God. The Bible says he, he knelt in the garden before he went to a cross. You can come on out and play, Jill. He knelt in the, in the garden before he went to a cross and he was, he was sweating these, these drops that were like blood because of the stress he was under, the pressure he was under. However, the Bible says that, you know what, he didn't bow out in the garden. He said things like this, God, if there's another way, take this cup from me. Let it pass me by today. I don't want to be under this pressure. This hurts. This is painful. This is difficult. But if there is no other way, may it be your will and not my will. See, Christianity is not a box of chocolates. May it be His will and not my will. And the only will, the only way to get my will out of me is to put me under pressure of the circumstances of life and me to figure out, you know what, how, how wicked and deceitful my own heart is. However, I have hope in Christ. Because I am weak, and he is strong. So the question for us all today is, will we submit by faith to the son of the living God? Will we believe God in the circumstances and let wisdom get downloaded in our soul so God can do the amazing in and through our life? Jesus told this incredible story in Matthew chapter 19. Really it's kind of the vision for the conference center that we run over in Barefoot Resort. Or it's where the vision came from, more or less. The Bible says Jesus had an encounter with a man one day. That he was underneath his own authority. He was a good man, did a lot of good things, and he came to Jesus as teacher. How do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks at him and says, well, "We keep the commands." He's like, I, "I've done that," and then Jesus begins to drive deeper to the root of his heart Jesus begins to talk to this man he was a ruler the Bible says in other words he was a powerful figure he was a rich young ruler the Bible clarifies him as and though he had power and though he was a good man instead of coming under God's authority his possessions had authority over him. And Jesus asked him a question. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, go sell all your stuff and give it to the poor. And then come follow me. Now I want to be clear today. Jesus wasn't telling that man to go sell all his stuff because stuff is bad. Paul clarified that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Stuff's not bad. Stuff only becomes wicked when the stuff captures your heart and becomes the authority of your life. And Jesus knew that that man's heart was captured by his stuff. So he says, hey, go and sell it and give it all to the poor. The Bible says the man turned and walked away. But here's the kicker in the passage. The Bible says, That Jesus now is not speaking to the rich young ruler, but he's speaking to his followers. Remember, life is a lesson, a journey. Jesus uses that as an illustration to teach these disciples something. The Bible says that Jesus turns to his disciples, the followers, and says it's very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. But I want to show you something. But Jesus also says... But with God, all things are possible. So Jesus didn't say that a rich man can't enter the kingdom of heaven. All he was saying, if we're not careful, then the riches of life will be the authority of our life. And that makes it difficult to receive all God has in store for you. And Jesus says... But with God, all things are possible. In other words, God can shake that rich man's tree and shake that man's life and he can begin to make God the authority of his life and begin to use the blessings of God in such a powerful way that it changes the world and it permeates God's presence throughout the world. And So again, what's the easy thing to do? is to begin to look at other people and say, they got more than I do, so, you know, they must not be as godly as I am. Let me be clear with you today. You can be poor, or you can be rich with material things and still be ungodly. There is a lot of people who have material wealth that are assets to the kingdom to help the kingdom grow and you need to understand that just because somebody has material wealth doesn't mean they're not connected to God maybe they're connected to God in such a way to help the kingdom grow in a powerful way and so just let's all be careful whether it's with our parenting or with our Relationships, us seeking a new husband. it all? The, I'm telling you, what this is marriage season at Barefoot Church. Everybody's looking for a husband or a wife. I, mean, I got so many weddings going. I think that's awesome. But don't let that become the priority of your heart and your life. That's what he says. He says, man, let God be the priority and the marriage will come and it'll be great, fantastic, and incredible. But again, what is the king of your heart? Pretty well what the king of your heart is is what's the king of your Instagram. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much today for your word. God, I thank you for your people. And I thank you, God, for what you're doing in the hearts of humanity. God, I pray for wisdom today that only comes from you. God, shake us in whatever position we're in. Help us understand our weakness and your amazing strength. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord. Our power comes from you, God, in operating in your mission and your purpose. And God, I pray for everyone here today that we would begin to understand what it means to follow Jesus. It's to, it's to turn away from doing life our own way and accept his word and come under his authority. And begin to apply his word and live out who he says we are in the world. And God, I, I pray that we wouldn't find success or significance in just what we do, but with who we know. And I pray for every individual here today, God, in the process of you building your church and building your people and permeating your presence throughout the earth. God, I pray we would submit ourselves to your authority and know you as we make you known. God, I pray for our hearts that we wouldn't get caught in the trap of worshiping the things of this world instead of the creator of the things of this world. God, I pray today that you begin to purge the old out and put the new in. And God, you would let us enjoy the good gifts of life and find that balance and what it means to enjoy but also be your representative and live out who you've created us to be. God, if there's one in here today that their faith is in anything other than you, Jesus, I pray today, God, that maybe they would accept your word and begin that journey. And let you build amazing faith in them of who God is. My friend, as that is you, just submit yourself. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to forgive us. Kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. God, may we trust you for our provision. and God, may we forgive as we have been forgiven. And I pray today that you would let that verse resonate in your heart today. And receive the forgiveness that comes from God, which will allow you to go out and begin to forgive others in the process. Tell God, thank you for the forgiveness of Christ. For loving you right where you are. So you can experience him. Tell God, thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. That was demonstrated as if Jesus was resurrected from the grave. And tell God, you want to submit to that today. God, thank you so much for all of those who receive you by faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise.